Uh, merge the slight button. Thanks. So I, I should have mentioned one more. Uh oh. Let's try one more time. I have 12. There we are. Woo! Okay. Uh, I should thank one more person who I was remiss to, to thank. Hayden. Thank you, Hayden. Hayden. So Hayden has got a trial by fire today. He came in and dared to sit in the slide chair when Leo, who was scheduled to, 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 lead slide, to run slides today, is not feeling well. And I said, Hayden, would you like to learn slides? And he said, well, yeah, uh, I, I'm sitting here. So uh, there it is. And he is doing a spectacular job. Uh, everything is a wild day, and he's just doing a great job. So thank you, Hayden, for that. Huh, sometimes, doesn't it feel like with the, the challenges of life, everything that goes wrong, everything that goes unexpected, that we are constantly being charged by wild animals. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about tonight. He's going to cause us to spend some time thinking about pigs attacking us. And I don't spend a lot of time worrying about pigs attacking me. I worry about um, how much better burgers are with bacon on them, maybe, but not pigs attacking me. Um, but we're going to get to exactly what he has in mind there. He's not really trying to give us a lesson on, on agriculture and livestock. But he, he's trying to help us to think about what's healthy. That's an important question to ask. What is healthy in our lives? And that can mean different things, right? It can mean, well, maybe I shouldn't have that, that double cheeseburger with bacon on it because that's not healthy. Something I, I was reading about the other week is the interesting side effect of all the satellites we're launching into space. I, I'm fascinated by the company SpaceX and the, the launches they've done and the amazing accomplishments that they've done over these last few years to, to build essentially a private space industry. Stunning, putting up hundreds of satellites, uh, primarily through private funding. What, what an amazing, amazing thing. It, it's, it's sort of spectacular. But as they're, they're putting up more satellites and they're putting up larger satellites, they've been increasing the size of the rockets. And one thing that happens, I didn't even think that this could happen, is they're puncturing holes in the ionosphere of the Earth. And so there are times where you can actually see the picture of the rocket taking off and there's like this red circle where, mo at least for the moment, until it heals itself, there's a hole in part of the protective sphere that keeps radiation out in outer space and not here on Earth. And so you ask the question, well, is that healthy? One thing I didn't even think about that someone brought up in discussing this is that with these holes, the, this ion, the ionosphere that surrounds our Earth, one of the things it does is it keeps radio communication, then we depend on an awful lot of that from cellular phones to actual radios to television to, to other forms of communication. Everything that we do, we use an awful lot of radio frequency communication. That sphere keeps those communications bouncing back towards us where we want them. And so apparently one of the possible side effects of these holes being punctured is that we could have disruptions in our communications. Is it healthy? Is there a better way to do it? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, but it's an important question to ask when something like that happens. And it's also an important question to ask as we go into life and we start to follow Jesus and we say, well, how should I do this, Lord? Because most of us probably at some point in our Christian walk, if you've been following Jesus for any time at all, have realized we punctured some holes in people's lives. We're a little too blunt. We're not quite loving enough. 
Maybe we even mean well. We'd like that person to know Jesus. And so we're pushing at them to know Jesus. And we, we only realize in retrospect, we weren't really helping them to know Jesus. We were just puncturing holes in them. Jesus is going to challenge us to think about what does it look like to be a healthy person on fire for him. And that's what we're going to explore tonight. So let's come before our God, the only one who can truly direct us in, in a healthy lifestyle. Let's ask him for his help. Father, we come before you as those who often are punching all kinds of holes around. Sometimes they're literal ones. Sometimes they're even literal ones in our, our atmosphere. A lot of times they're metaphorical ones, but those maybe even hurt worse. Lord, would you help us to be those who are, are healthy and wise, those who are discerning, those who do what's pleasing to you, showing love to you and showing love to others. Lord, we ask for your guidance in this. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's take a look at Matthew 7, verse 6. If you'd like to turn there, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, I understand, I've never met a wild boar, but I understand that wild pigs can actually be quite fierce. I don't have any desire to verify that. I'll just trust other people's understanding of that. But, but Jesus is speaking to those who, who are much more familiar with wildlife than most of us often are. And he, so the, the analogy may work a little bit more clearly, but the basic principle remains the same whether we're city dwellers or we're out in the country dealing with the wilds of nature. It really doesn't matter. What he really wants us to think about is what are we doing with God's word? And the, the thing that he's referring to there, the, the, the ones he's referring to there as dogs and pigs aren't dogs and pigs literally, but other human beings. And he's challenging us to think about when do we share? How do we share? How do we know when it's right? Because after all, if we don't tell anyone that doesn't believe, and some people said, well, all those who don't yet believe, they're dogs and pigs. And, and so then it sounds like, well, then don't tell anyone about the gospel. That doesn't work very well, does it? And it seems to contradict exactly what Jesus calls us to do. So what do we do? Well, Jesus wants us to think about it. And that's something that we don't often do. It's sort of like, should we share the gospel? Well, duh, yes, we should share the gospel. And that's a good answer. Yes, we should. We obviously should. And that's the starting point that we need to approach this with. As we come to this, this warning not to, to cast what's holy before wild dogs, not to put pearls before swine, we need to start from the assumption that Jesus does indeed want us to share the gospel with people that don't already know it, that he wants us to, to communicate his truth to people who aren't, yet embracing it. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the Great Commission. Jim read it earlier for us. Let's look at it again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching to them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus wants us to share. He wants us to go and tell. 
What can we say as a starting point? It is healthy. We're talking about healthy lifestyle. It is healthy to share the gospel. It's unhealthy for us as Christians to just hold it in. It will not go well for us because we're going against the very commission that Jesus has given every one of his disciples for all time, including us today. We are called to go and to tell. It's important, even as we're talking about this warning here, to start there so that we don't get the wrong impression because some have actually said over the ages, not many Christians, thankfully, and that's why we're here, but some have said, well, the true church is a secret church and we don't need to go and tell people because we have the truth and those people out there don't. And they're just a bunch of wild dogs and pigs and let them have their slop. We'll, We'll keep the pearls ourselves not what Jesus has called us to do. We should go and communicate the gospel, and then when we communicate the gospel, we don't just stop with repent and believe. We start making disciples. This is a a two-part commission. You, You go and you tell people that Jesus is the Lord, that they can have that forgiveness, but then what do we do? Then we help them to actually understand what it means to follow Jesus, who he is what living a a life that's following him looks like. He doesn't want us to just stay in that place where, okay, I know I'm sinful. I know I need Jesus. I guess I'll just stay sinful and needing Jesus. No, he wants us to say, God, take away that sin. God, make me more like you. Help me to understand your word. That's what we help each other with. That's why we're doing things like Sunday School Express starting next week. But that's why we have our Tuesday night Bible study that if you're not a part of, I would invite you to consider joining. That's why we do things like that. That's why Kathy's hosting our, our, and Jeff are hosting our young adult group on the first Saturday of the month and, and digging into questions of faith and Christian living and so on. Why are we doing those things? Because we're called as the body of Christ to help each other. We need that help. And it starts with telling people. Kayla, it's your birthday, so I'm going to go ahead and, and pick on you for a little bit. Uh, you know, that's how that, that goes. Um, I just want to, you know, it, it strikes me as I'm thinking about the, the call to actually go and tell people, to invite people, to encourage people in the Christian life, that if you look at our church directory, approximately 25% of it is because of Kayla. Kayla goes and tells. Now... She's kind of encompassing both of these things, right? Because she, Kayla is more than willing to invite people that aren't currently involved in church. Hey, come. But she also invites some of you that are here today that have been involved in church. Hey, why don't you come? And, and so that's either, sometimes we just need to encourage people. Hey, come and be a part of this church family. Be a part of being disciples together. Encourage someone that way. Sometimes we need to say, hey, have you considered coming to church at all? But I, I, I thought about myself. I thought, I wish I, was, I wish I were half as good at inviting people as Kayla is. And so ha- on her birthday, let's just give her another round of applause. Yeah. Make her totally embarrassed. How are we helping others to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus? Because those are two important callings. There, we are all going to know people who don't know Jesus full stop. How are we helping them? How am I helping them? How are you helping them, the, the people in your life? But then how we, we also know those people that maybe just need a place to land to be encouraged to grow in the faith. Maybe they're already growing, but they just 
need a place to, to study God's word more, to worship. Maybe they've moved into town and you meet someone and they're a Christian, but they haven't gotten around to finding a church and life gets busy and they're just not there. How are we helping those people to get plugged in? That's our calling, friends. Both of those. We're called to, to help people come to know Jesus for the first time. And then we're called lifelong to help each other because there are going to be times that we are the disciple makers and times that we are being made disciples, maybe even with the very same people. Sometimes I need to learn something and someone that I've discipled previously is now is discipling me on that. We go back and forth. It's not a hierarchical thing. It's a, a thing that we all are imperfect. We're all fallen and we all need more of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. So how are we helping each other with that? That's our calling, friends. But in that, here's the big but, and here's why there's the warning there. Discernment is also healthy. It doesn't necessarily go peachy all the time when we do that, does it? it sometimes, sometimes we go and we try to share the gospel and we're punching holes in the ionosphere of, of people's lives rather than actually helping them to know Jesus. Sometimes we know there's someone that we're, we're going to go talk to. And even before we talk to them, they, we know that they're not in any place where they're going to accept it. Acts 13, 50 to 51. The disciples are preaching. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paula and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Now, what, what's going on here? What, what's going on here is basically this. When, when it refers to the Jews, everyone involved here, incidentally, as far as the teaching and preaching, you have Paul and Barnabas. Paul is not just a Jew, but we're talking about a Jew of Jews. He's a former leading elite Jew. We were talking about that last week. So you have Paul here. He's a Jew. Who are these Jews? These are Jews that are the leaders of the synagogue, and they don't like this rival coming in saying that they've missed something. Just like most of us don't like when someone comes in and says that we've missed something. But the question when we realize we have is, are we willing to correct? And clearly they aren't. And they incite violence. And the question then for Paul and Barnabas, are they going to stay and get killed, or are they going to move on? And clearly, through the work of the Holy Spirit, they're able to discern here, this is not a healthy time to be doing this here. We need to move on. And so they leave, and they shake the dust off their feet. Exactly what Jesus had said to do, back in Matthew chapter 10 about those who would reject the good news of the kingdom. Sometimes we have to shake the dust off our feet. Now, that shouldn't be a first resort. Paul and Barnabas do that when they're being threatened with physical violence. When they are going to die to minister to these people, it's not because they're not willing to die for the gospel, it's that they're not going to allow people to kill them who aren't even interested in hearing it. We'll move on to more fruitful places. And we need to be aware of those times when all we're going to do by trying to communicate the gospel to someone is bring difficulty, even for the gospel itself. 
Sometimes by, by making more of a scene, it just gets worse. Imagine if they'd stayed there and maybe the, the, uh, the regional authorities of the Roman Empire, even before that there's systematic persecution in the Roman Empire, decide to ban Christianity because there's always these riots when they're there. We're just going to ban it. It could have gotten much worse. Maybe that's why the Holy Spirit nudges them on. And sometimes we can push too far and Maybe, maybe you're at some place that you, you work someplace or you go to school someplace that allows pre or after work or school Bible studies. But, but if, if Christians are too obnoxious in the workplace and they say, well, we don't st- we're just going to ban any faith discussion even before or after work or after, before or after school. We have to be thinking about things like that where we could actually bring harm to the gospel by punching those holes in places that aren't actually fruitful for spreading the gospel. And that That's really, I think, at the center of what Jesus is calling us to think about here. When he talks about casting the pearls and then having the the wild pigs, they're going to come and they're going to trample us, what's he trying to get us to think about? Sometimes when we just stubbornly say, I know you have no interest in this, I know it's not going to do any good, but I'm called to preach the gospel and I'm going to preach the gospel if it kills me to you. What we're really doing is we're not helping the gospel, we're not helping Jesus' cause, we're causing a ruckus, and that's it. And so we need to think about what we're doing here. And it's important to kind of put this into place alongside what we had last week, what we were looking at last week. We were talking about not judging last week, right? And you think about not judging. This sounds kind of judgy, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus says, don't judge. But by the way, those people who are pigs and wild dogs, don't give them anything. Why does Jesus give us that one example and then the other right back to back? They don't directly seem, seem to connect, but he gives those two commands right next to each other. Yeah, righteous judgment, unrighteous judgment. Very good, Jim. Jim, you can have a cookie after service, one of those car hop cookies. You definitely need that. Um, yeah, it's different forms of judgment. And really, on the one hand, Jesus is saying, don't go around all the time acting self-righteous, acting like you have everything together, and these other people, if only they could be as together as you are, would be okay. But on the other hand, you don't have to be, as one commentator put it, a simpleton. You don't have to just go around and say, well, I'm not going to judge, so uh, yeah, these people have knives and daggers that they're ready to come and stab me with, but I'm going to act like they don't because that would be judgmental. You can actually think about the context of, of whom it is that you're speaking with. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. What's the difference between the scoffer and the wise man? We could go into a, a long description of that in Proverbs. There's a very, very well-developed set of characters in Proverbs. But really what we're looking at here is, on the one hand, someone who has a hardened opposition to God, someone who clearly has no interest in hearing anything of God's ways and his righteousness. And on the other hand, someone wise, who's someone who's wise, someone who's seeking after God. If we know someone has a heart in opposition to God, it doesn't mean we give up on them, but, but we need to use wisdom. There, there's no, no benefit to simply making people mad. That's not our goal. Our goal is to help people to know Jesus, not to make them hate Jesus because they, they're so sick and tired of us talking about him and they're just becoming more and more hardened in their opposition to Jesus. We need to pray for God's discernment, his wisdom, that we know when the right time to share the gospel. 
this isn't trying to find an easy out for difficult situations and say, oh, well, I can use discernment. That means I'm just going to keep my lips sealed because usually it seems like whenever I talk about Jesus, it gets hard. That's not Jesus' point. He certainly doesn't tell his disciples, avoid any kind of difficulty at all. Just never say anything about me unless you know everyone's going to be agreeable to it. Not saying that, but he's saying, use wisdom. There are, I think all of us know this intuitively. We know those people that we can talk about Jesus, and, and maybe we have this guilt, I need to talk to this person about Jesus, but you know the only thing it's going to do is harden the relationship. They're not there. The Holy Spirit isn't knocking on that person's heart. There's no interest. You need to be discerning. And sometimes, and thankfully not in our society for the most part, if at all, but certainly in other parts of the world today, certainly in biblical times, there can be times where it actually boils down to life and death. I get a little anxious when people start talking about persecution and it's not about life and death because there are literally today, friends, Christians dying for the profession of faith. That's persecution. For us, usually it means, oh, maybe people don't want to talk to me around the water cooler. That's is it persecution? You can call it that, but it's totally different than if someone's going to actually throw you off a cliff, or they still do it today sometimes, stone you to death, or cut your head off, or something like that. It's totally different. And, and sometimes we have to be discerning. Certainly as we, we talk about missionaries, we have missionaries we're so excited to support here at Little Hills. Just like, thankfully, many, many, many churches around the world support missionaries. Those missionaries have to be sensitive to the, the culture they're in. Not that they're afraid, not that they're cowardly, not that they don't stand up for the gospel, but they need to be sensitive to the way that they do it, that they're not getting themselves kicked out of the country, locked up in prison, have their head cut off, sometimes literally. It's okay to be discerning. I, I think it really boils down to this. Um, most of us probably at some point now have gone onto our phone and you download an app, right? And it's a free app. And you download that free app and you say, oh boy, this is a, a free app. I'm so excited. And you go in and it says, maybe it's a game. Maybe it's some kind of card game or, or, or something like that. Turn-based game. There's all these different things you can download. And it says you can play once today, but if you tell 10 friends about it, then you can play again. You don't have to wait till the timer ticks down again for another 24 hours. And so it's sort of, hmm, who could I spam this with? I wonder. Oh, I bet everyone in this room would, would enjoy an invite to that, right? I'll go ahead and invite all of you, right? Has, haven't you received those sorts of invites? Apparently, uh, Kayla, have you been the recipient or the sender of those invites? Uh, Sender, okay, Hayden, Hayden is telling on Kayla. Kayla, Kayla does that. Okay, we, we have a second witness. Okay, now, now, now. Okay, uh, good th yeah. First Little Hills Church stoning. No, uh, um, we, we all know, know how this works, right? And sometimes we run into the same thing with the gospel, right? We think, I have to do this. I need, to, I need God to know that I shared the gospel with 20 people, and if those people hate me after I shared it, at least God's going to know I shared the gospel with 20 people. That's not how God works. He's not looking for us to, to hit our referral quota for the month. 
looking for us to actually care about people enough to want to see something happen in their lives. And sometimes that's quietly praying and saying, God, let me know when it's time to share with this person. Sometimes it's God's saying, hey, go and share. How hard do I hit, have to hit you over the head before you share with this person? And sometimes it's the one, sometimes it's the other. But I need to ask myself the question. We all need to ask ourselves the question, am I sharing for a referral number? Am I sharing for love? Am I looking at that person and saying, here's someone made in God's image and I want this person to know Jesus? Or I, I, I know this person knows Jesus, but this person needs a place to grow. I want this person to flourish in Jesus. What's the reason that we're doing it? And sometimes when we reflect on that, then we come to a third healthy thing. Not only is sharing the gospel healthy, and, and not only is discernment healthy, patience is healthy. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. We're called to patience and gentleness doesn't mean that we give up on the people. Now, the, the starting point here, and I, I think the primary thrust here are the people who are the hardened permanent scoffers, the, per, the permanent wild pigs, the permanent wild dogs, the people that have no desire for the things of God will never have a desire for the things of God. John Calvin reflects on, on this and suggests that these are the incurables, the people that have no desire to hear from God. They... they are completely set on how their life is better without him. But sometimes there are people who just aren't ready yet. And that's where that patience comes. I remember in seminary hearing about a, a friend of one of my professors, a, a neighbor, and he prayed for that man. They, they were neighbors for 30 years. The person was a hardened atheist, had no interest in the gospel. After 30 years, he became a Christian. Now, it didn't happen in that relationship by my professor constantly pounding him on the head in year one. He recognized this man was hardened, that this man had no interest in the gospel, and he prayed for him. And he prayed for him. And he prayed for him. And I'm sure he didn't completely shut off the gospel spigot and say, I'm not going to say anything of the things of God to him. That would be not wise if you're having constant relationship with this person. But on the other hand, recognized it wasn't time, that God wasn't calling this person yet. He continued to pray for this person. He didn't give up. He recognized there was patience. Sometimes it's going to take a long, long time. And, and sometimes when we, we speed too fast on, on, in a situation where God hasn't worked on someone's heart yet, where that person's going through things, that they just can't hear it. It's like, have, have you ever injured yourself? You, you, you stub your toe and just as a light example, but sometimes that really hurts, right? I mean, you stub your toe really hard, and then right as you're doing that, someone comes up and wants to discuss their big, very elaborate idea that they've been thinking about with you, and it's sort of like, I, I would love to hear this, but I can't hear it just yet. Give me a moment. I, I need to group, regroup myself, and sometimes 
that's where we as Christians can be very non-discerning. We, we see someone hurting, we say, aha, they're hurting. I'm going to make sure that they hear as much about Jesus as possible. And sometimes it's exactly the right thing, but we need to be discerning and recognize sometimes they need to get their bearings first. We don't want Jesus to feel like a, a sledgehammer to knock someone down. We want them to hear of Jesus and hear refreshment, hear God's love. We need to be ready to do the hard work of waiting. I think archaeologists probably would be the sort of people that could really tell us something about waiting. I was reading about the Pool of Siloam that we read about in John chapter 9 where Jesus sends the blind man to go into the waters to be healed of his blindness. And there were some ideas of where this was in the, in the various stages of built and rebuilt parts of Jerusalem, but it wasn't known exactly for years. And how often is it in the case when you hear about the ancient world that there are these things that they kind of know approximately where they are? And sometimes there are skeptics who say, well, that probably didn't exist at all. And if you're an archaeologist and you're going to go and you're going to try to find this biblical site, you can't just go and find it on day one necessarily. And if you decide to take a giant backhoe and just start digging into the ground, you might destroy it while trying to find it. That's what we can sometimes do with the gospel. This particular pool, though, the remarkable thing, after all those years, here's a, here's a picture of it today. They've, they've actually uncovered it over the last few months. How did they find it? Here's the amazing thing. 19 years ago, the water company in Jerusalem was working on repairing water lines and ran into what they realized was an archaeological discovery. And thankfully, they had the patience to stop. They didn't just run through it with some more pipes and destroy it. And then... Over the last 19 years, think about this, friends, 19 years to get from, oh, it looks like we found this pool, to now we can show it to you in a picture. And eventually they're hoping to open it up to the public, this place that's so notable in the story of the ministry of Jesus. 19 years. It's a lot of patience. Why? Because they didn't want to destroy it, they wanted to uncover it. And we don't want to destroy people's lives. We don't want to, to come in with a, a backhoe and just pull out everything of value in their life and destroy them and leave them on the ground thinking that Jesus is the destroyer. And he's the opposite. He's the healer. And sometimes that means taking a little bitty spade or a little bitty brush and knocking a little dirt off at a time just like an archaeologist. Just helping to get a little bit of that dust of sin, that dust of the hurt of a fallen world off of someone's life, little by little by little. If the archaeologists didn't have that patience, we wouldn't be able to enjoy seeing that discovery today. It'd be destroyed. It'd be lost. And how many people searched for years for those sorts of discoveries before they were even found? It's often how we are, too. But as valuable as that is, the lives of the people around us are even more valuable. So God is calling us to be archaeologists in people's lives, to take all the rubble of sin and brokenness and be willing to do the hard, dirty work of actually spending time taking that brush and just scraping it off bit by bit. Sometimes people aren't unearthed yet. Sometimes we're going to run into someone who's already basically unearthed. They're ready to go, and we, sh we shouldn't say, well, you know, I've only known you for a little while, and I know that you want to know about Jesus, but how about we wait 19 years because, you know, I don't want to go too fast. That's not the point. That would be really, really unkind to them. We just need to be discerning about where they are and what's going on in their lives. 
So what we really want to do is to trust that God is going to position us in the lives of the people around us at the right time, and he's going to use the right means, and it's not going to be because of our own strength, our own, wit, our own wisdom. It's going to be because of him and his love. Sometimes that'll happen very quickly. Sometimes it won't happen at all. There are going to be those people who are hardened and have no desire at all. And we need to be discerning of that. And sometimes it's going to be, I just need patience. Who are those people I need to not forget about because they're not there yet? That can be a danger. Oh, this person doesn't go to church, hasn't ever responded when I've invited him or her. I'll just forget about them. But they're not hardened. God's working on them. I need to say, I need to keep praying for this person. I need to keep ministering to this person, maybe not in super strong ways, and not so that I can eventually get that referral bonus and get the app unlocked for the day, but so that they know Jesus. Because I, I care about this person. I see the value of this person. And I don't want them to not know Jesus. But all that is, is trusting that God works and that he will work in his time. And when we trust that, we can go from tossing those pearls before swine and instead taking those precious pearls of the gospel and seeing that time when people want out of the mud, helping them out and refreshing them. Let's pray that we have the discernment to do that today. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and oftentimes we, we aren't discerning. We don't know when to share and when not to share. And, and sometimes it's, we're so on fire for you, we just go trampling over people because we don't, we don't care about where they are. We just want to, to do what we know you've said, which is to share your word. We need more discernment and more patience. Other times we, we go the opposite direction. We think, well, some people are going to, to get mad if I share, so I'm not going to share at all. Lord, help us not to fall into either of those traps, but instead to, to lovingly go to the people around us, the people you've placed in our lives to see where you're working in their lives and to be ready to share at the right time, to trust that you are the one who does the work, but also to trust that you are the one who's called us to share in that work by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.